0: amen what a glorious day that shall be well if you're a guest with us this morning we just work our way through the scriptures and you happen to have joined us when we are in first corinthians chapter 12 verses 12 through 31 about the gifts we've been uh, that's our practice here working through the bible one book at a time verse uh, section at a time and so that's where we are and we always know that god is the sovereign one who plans what passage on what week it's not by accident that you're here this week and it's uh god's plan god orchestrates everything and so uh we know he's going to work through his word we trust him for that because we know his word is sharp and powerful and it's divides between the soul and spirit right and so that's what it's going to do as we read it and go through it together let's go to the lord in prayer Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the word. Thank you for these songs of praise we've just sung. Thank you for the hope of that glorious day that's coming. And, Lord, we do lift up our world situation to you. And, Lord, we're so thankful you're on the throne of heaven. There's so much need all around the world right now, so much tension, so much tension within our own nation. But, Lord... uh, We pray that you would work in all these things to bring people to yourself. And Lord, now as we look at this passage in 1 Corinthians, I pray your Holy Spirit would would be working in our minds and our hearts, helping us to hear, helping us to receive, helping us to know what you're speaking to each of us so that we could do and say what you want us to do, to act and to make those changes, to renew our minds in the way you want them renewed. So work through your word this morning in our hearts, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, and and happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. It's a, it's a, a privilege to be a father, amen? Amen? And uh, you know, uh, I just t- talked or heard uh, somebody sharing about how they had visited uh, a prison. He said everyone he talked to grew up without a father. That really says something about the importance of fatherhood in our culture, in in the world, um, because every every society is based on the family, and if the head of the family isn't there. Um, Women can certainly raise children, and sometimes they do an amazing job. But God's plan and a healthier way is for the, the husband to be the head of the home, leading the family spiritually, uh, standing up and being an example of a godly man. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to 31. In honor of God's word, would you stand with me as I read this to you? 1 Corinthians 12, from verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administering, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. Amen, this is God's word, you can be seated. So in the the passage preceding this particular chapter, Paul had rebuked the Corinthian church for the way in which the upper class uh, took advantage of the communion meal before those who were servants or could not uh, freely come at any particular time. They had to wait until their duties were done. And and those higher class people would just leave the scraps for the poor. But class has no distinction, class distinction, I'm sorry, has no place in the church. We're one body. Everyone is equally important as everyone else. In our passage today, Paul's explaining how every member in the church is vitally needed. To think otherwise is to disable the church in some important areas. Verse 12, again, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. The human body is is used in this passage. Paul uses it as an analogy for the church, which he refers to as the body of Christ. Now, of course, it's not his physical body, but we're a representation of Christ in the world. We're the hands and feet, so to speak, of of Christ in the world, ministering to people. Paul knew this analogy well as it was part of his conversion. In Acts chapter 9, blinded by the glory of Christ, he heard the Savior ask, why are you persecuting me? Well, Paul wasn't attacking Christ because he had ascended. He was attacking the body of believers, the Christians, who Jesus says is himself. Jesus responded, I am Jesus who you are persecuting. And that implied that to persecute Christians is to persecute Jesus' body in the world today. Jesus also said that what we do to the least of these, my brethren, you have done to me. So whatever is done to Christians, Jesus takes personally as done to himself. So Paul didn't come up with this body analogy all on his own. It came from Jesus. When Paul wrote this verse, uh, at the end of this verse, so it is with Christ, he means with the body of Christ in the world today, the believers. Those who've placed their faith and hope in Jesus have many members, just as our human body has many members verse 13 For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body Jews and Greeks slaves or free and all were made to drink of one spirit So what makes us all one is the fact that we've that our baptism declared that we've died to our old nature and we've been raised to newness of life in Christ Our primary identity is no longer our culture Jew or Greek Uh, or our our status in society, slave or free. So it doesn't matter your nationality, your ethnicity, all those things that our culture is going crazy over, your gender or whatever, that that has no place in the church. That has no status or uh, preferences in the church. We are one in Christ because we've been baptized into one spirit. It's that we all were immersed in the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. And God delights in bringing unity out of diversity, bringing that diversity into harmony. The Corinthian church had diversity, but it lacked harmony. So how are we doing? You know, whenever we read a passage, we have to say, how's this applying to me? It. it or do we have any distinctions in church? Are some, do we see some people different from others? Or do we see ourselves all as one and each person equally important? Do we value each person as much as every other person? The world recognizes the beauty in, in interdependence and harmony. You know, we go to hear an orchestra, it's beautiful. All the pieces have a different part and it all comes together beautifully. But on a personal level, the nature of man is to be independent. We talk about community as if it were a wonderful thing and fantasize about what it would be like if we just all served one another. Wouldn't that be wonderful? But when it comes to our own part, we prefer to be autonomous. God designed the church to experience complementary interdependence. Two big words, but it really describes it. Complementary interdependence as a testimony to the world. The Holy Spirit in each of us makes that possible. Verse 14 For the body doesn't consist of one member, but of many. Every part or every member has a function that serves the good of the whole body. It isn't a democracy. Two-thirds of your body never wins over the other third. If it did, you'd be dead. You need it all in harmony or you'll be disabled. In many differing scenarios, losing function of one small part of the human body is going to result in death. We need the diverse parts to all be in harmony and all being obedient to the head. And now I want to share a quote from Paul. Uh, uh, Paul Brand and uh, Philip Yancey Uh, they wrote a book about in in the likeness of Christ how the human body so relates to the church and some of the quotes in it I had to pull for this message because it fits so well they wrote that the basis of our unity within Christ's body begins not with our similarity but with our diversity it seems safe to assume that God enjoys variety and not just at the cellular level. He didn't stop with a thousand insect species. He conjured up several hundred thousand species of beetles and weevils. You think he likes diversity? (laughs) In his famous speech in the book of Job, God pointed with pride to such oddities as the creation of the mountain goat and the wild ass, the ostrich, the lightning bolt, He lavished color, design, and texture on the world, giving us pygmies and Watusis, blonde Scandinavians and swarthy Italians, big-boned Russians and petite Japanese. God likes variety. That's why the church should be a church of of great variety. You know, when you go to a church and everyone looks the same, they're all like upper-class Uh, one nationality, one color, one race, one everything, you go, something's not quite right here. (laughs) And they're all the same age. Verse 15, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. So Paul illustrated our need for one another and the variety of gifts by, uh, by, and our callings by pointing to the human body and how it works together. So many different functions combine to make up one whole being that is interdependent on all its unique parts and on all their different abilities. Without one we'd be considered handicapped and thus the church needs a great variety of callings without which we'd be hindered in some way. Notice that it is God who arranges the members of the body as he chooses. God decides what each person's gift is and and how that gift is to be used. One problem in the American church, and I guess in many, probably many other countries as well, we look for a church that's going to meet our needs rather than seeing where we can be fed and be of service. If people would ask God where he wants them, man, would churches suddenly be changed You know, if everyone really prayed and said, God, where do you want me? I imagine there'd be a huge mix-up of church people switching to this church or that church because they came to the church they're at because they like something that they're getting out of it instead of being where God wants them. And this is why churches are not as effective in their communities as they could be because we're here to meet our own need. We too often choose what we like rather than where God wants to place us to be of service. It's amazing how our entire body, the human body, re- responds altogether to pain or an attack or pleasure. You know, if you whack your thumb with a hammer, your whole body responds all at once. It's amazing how how Every cell really in your entire body reacts together. All the members naturally share the experience and they do their part to respond uniquely. But in unity, the diversity is essential. We can't ignore a body part or do without it and still be whole. Sometimes because of a defect from accident or war or uh, 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 someone's body part is missing and we make prosthetics to replace it for cosmetic reasons but also for functional reasons as well. We have to value every member and see each member's importance. To isolate one member is to our own detriment unless, as we'll see later, that member is diseased. Now sometimes amputation is necessary but that's only in the extreme cases. There are those rare cases in which the, the disease members endangering all the other members of the body, but that's not in a healthy body. For example, cancer. Cancer is the result of a cell not being able to switch off its, its uh, reproduction. You know, our cells naturally reproduce themselves, and somehow our different cells of different parts of our body know, okay, I have to make this much more, and stop. And then later on when there's a need, I have to make this much more and stop. But cancer, that switch gets broken and that particular group of cells just keeps reproducing, reproducing, reproducing. That's cancer. It starts to take over everything. Verse 19, if all were a single member, where would the body be? Recently, I I watched, I was watching because of... uh, Memorial Day and Flag Day. I was watching D Day. I was watching the D Day veterans. They had these uh, televised interviews with them, and a couple of them commented that some of the most um, traumatic things that they saw that stuck with them even to this day, that they still have nightmares about, is seeing individual human body parts on the sand or floating in the ocean. And yet, we don't seem to be too concerned about the members of the body of Christ who've chosen isolation, which is analogy to that that horror that they saw. They cannot fully function on their own, those pieces, and they're handicapped, handicapping a local church body by not fulfilling their assigned roles. God can replace them with someone else, but do we realize what we're doing when we decide nothing is good enough for our presence? We do more harm to ourselves than we do to the body when we limit our service to God. Or like the cancer cells, we say, everyone, the entire body needs to be like us. Instead of variety, it should all be like us. That's cancer taking over, saying everything has to be a liver cell or everything has to be a kidney cell. A body part by itself may live for a while on ice, but it's soon gonna die. If we all decided to be independent, there would be no real representation of Christ in the earth. A lone ranger Christian isn't a hero. Sheep stay in flocks for safety and to help one another know which way to go. They can survive on their own on an island where there's no predators and no noxious weeds, but this world has a predator and it's full of enticing noxious weeds that look delicious. Verse 20, as it is, there are many parts, yet one body. God requires only one thing of cells, that each person be loyal to the head. If each cell accepts the needs of the whole body as the purpose of life, then the body will live in health. It's a brilliant stroke. The only pure egalitarianism I observe in all of society, again, this is uh, Paul Brand, God has endowed every person in the body with the same capacity to respond. In Christ's body, a teacher of three-year-olds has the same value as a bishop and that teacher's work may be just as significant and I would add ineffective in the world today. A widow's dollar can equal a millionaire's annuity. Shyness, beauty, eloquence, race, sophistication, none of these matter, only loyalty to the head, Christ Jesus, and through the head, to each other. Verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. The church often emphasizes the more notable gifts. You know, um, when I was growing up, I grew up in the Baptist church. And I think that that particular Uh, Church, and atmosphere that I grew up in was was if you're really going to follow God, you have to become a pastor or a missionary. (laughs) Those were your two options, right? But Paul's saying, no way. There's so much diversity. We need encouragers. We need uh, people that serve. We need people with gifts of generosity and hospitality. We need so many different things in the body, and they are all equally needed. What if there was no janitor? What if there was no one that had the gift of compassion that came alongside a hurting guest? What if there was no administrator or treasurer? One missing cog can cause a whole gear to fail. You know, many people hop around to different communities looking for the right fit. If we are members of a local church, we are indispensable. And all the other members are indispensable parts of our lives as well they too are part of the body that God has put together to display the beauty of the gospel. Verse 22 22 through 24a, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. Now, this may be referring to the body's internal organs. They're hidden away, rarely thought of, but they're indispensable. You can't can't do without your liver. You can't do without your heart. You can't do without your brain. They're hidden away and rarely thought of, but they're indispensable. And so it is with many of the members of the body of Christ. You never see the janitor clean. but Without her service, this place would be a mess, and you wouldn't want to come in here. No one sees the menu selection for Wednesday night. You know, somebody puts together the menu to feed people on Wednesday night. So, and the young adults sure enjoy that gift, as do the guests who sometimes stay because of the hospitality. Every part has its role, and each part is essential. We must treat the differences with respect and not expect each to do more than he or she is designed to do and called of God to do. Some members of the church don't want to speak publicly, but they love to work behind the scenes. Others have gifts that require them to be vocal and in front of others. Some are gifted with assisting other people, those people. Others have mental gifts and personalities to teach while others want to serve in some physical way maintenance of the church and upkeep the flowers out in front of the church and some are gifted at spotting the needs of others and assisting them each is important as all the others verse 24b but God has so composed the body giving greater honor to the part that lacked it so rather than being a sign of weakness or of weakness interdependence is God's design for the church the church is to be a microcosmic picture of a restored humanity and is to reflect God's original intention for humanity, that which is interdependence. Rather than embracing hierarchy or celebrity in the world surrounding the church, it's called to be a countercultural community. We were just talking in Sunday school about how the culture keeps trying to... I, maybe I shouldn't say the culture is trying to as, as much as our weakness is allowing the culture to slip in and influence the church in the way that we act or structure or behave. But we are a countercultural community. And that's one reason that we often are persecuted. It's because we stand out as being different twenty five that there may be no divisions in the body but that the members have the same care for one another. If one member suffer, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. And so we recognize the need to honor one another and to value each one's role in the body. If the foot's injured, the whole body suffers. If we have a toothache, our whole body's going to func- isn't going to function well, and yet somehow we don't think of the importance of each tooth. Being one body with many members means we suffer with those who suffer and rejoice with one another if one member is honored. It's not a competition, but a collaboration. This is community as God intended it. You know, uh, some of you can remember, like me, the 1960s. I know that dates me, but uh, there were many communities that started up uh, commune type living and they they thought they were going to establish this whole new kind of society and we're not going to be like the culture we're living in. We're going to be generous and give and, and love, peace. You know, here's a flower, right? But they all eventually fail because man's nature is to be independent. Each person has their own idea about what's right or wrong. The desire for community, though, comes from God. God put that in us. But it can only work when we give up our independence and rely on the same one, while each member is sacrificing for one another as Jesus sacrificed himself for us. There's a cost to having true community. I experienced community in a cult when I was young, but that was because we we're all devoted to one man and to his teaching. We separated ourselves from the culture and thought by doing this, we were dedicating our lives to God. It was a counterfeit of true community, of Christ-like community with Christ as the head. But even so, many who left the group missed the oneness. In fact, uh, many who left the group became drug addicts or committed suicide. Even in the body of Christ some members will be present to serve their own interests as Christ said in one of his parables there are tares within the wheat field but we're to be patient and loving but honest in the hope that the kindness of God will lead them to repentance verse 27 now you're the body of Christ and individually members of it this is profound do we think of ourselves in this way When we think about who we are as an individual, do we think, I'm an integral part of this church community with which I belong, and they are all a part of me? It's a totally different, it's a mind shift, isn't it? To think that way, because our culture is so different. But that's what the gospel is teaching, this is what Paul is trying to express here. Do we see the importance of us using our gifts for the whole while receiving the expression of others' gifts and know how much we need their gifts? While writing the notes for this passage, which was years ago, um, I was facing, the elders were facing this situation where a type A personality just knew what the church needed to do, you know? And so they came to the elders and said, we need to change this physical thing, you know, not a spiritual thing. And um, they said, you know, I think the elders just need to lead out and make it happen. It doesn't matter if the body doesn't want it. And the red flag started going up. You know, wait a minute. The body has the spirit of Christ too. We're, We're one with the body. Yes, the elders are supposed to lead in the spiritual affairs, but if there's some physical thing that needs to be done on the building Why can't the body of Christ determine together, looking to Christ for whether it needs to be done or doesn't need to be done? If I love Jesus, I must love his body. People say they love Jesus, but not his church, but that's not possible. You may not like the way a church is organized, or a church's leadership might be ungodly, but we are all to love the body of Jesus in the world today. No matter where what church they attend, really. Verse 28, and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administering, and various kinds of tongues. So let me hit each one. Apostles, the 12, official representatives chosen by Jesus as witnesses of the life death and resurrection of the lord with one exception the apostle paul who said he was like one born out of out of time in other words he should have been born earlier and been one of the the 12 but god used him to replace judas god called him he saw the resurrected lord which was a requirement of the apostle to see the resurrected lord and i know there are churches today that have a position called Apostle, Um, but it's just not scriptural. According to Acts 1, 21 and 22, those were the ones who conveyed the words of Christ, who taught us the original apostolic teaching that that, that all our doctrines are based off of. We're not adding in our day to apostolic teaching. It's our foundation. Prophets. Um, the best interpretation of prophets is right in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 14:3, in which their ministry described as upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. Those are the three words Paul uses to describe the ministry of prophets. They may predict a future event like Agabus did in Acts 11, but that's not their primary role. Prophemi to speak forth a divine message. This can be a sermon that's inspired or a word to an individual that's timely from the Holy Spirit. Next are teachers, those who are knowledgeable to teach the scriptures. These are listed as the first through third as necessary for building up the body. But that does not establish a hierarchy or mean that they can do without the other gifts. The other gifts listed here include Miracles, which are miraculous acts at the leading of the Holy Spirit. Healing, to pray for another's healing through divine intervention. Helping, which is the most needed gift in the church today, and therefore the most common gift. If you're not sure what your gift is, it may be helping, because it's the most needed of all the gifts. administration. large gatherings need someone other than the speaker or speaking elder to help organize. This would often be one of the deacons. Tongues, a gift of languages, supernatural ability to speak another language or prayer language that's between your spirit to God. Or as at Pentecost, proclamation of the gospel that the hearers can hear in their own language. Verses 29 to 31. Are all apostles? are all prophets? are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desire the best gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. God gives the gifts as he wills, but we should, it's good to desire the higher gifts and those that are the most useful in building up the body. Yet if we're not given them, We shouldn't try to pretend that we have them. No one is dispensable. Our interdependence means we need each one and each one adds to the whole. And that's why we need the love of Jesus to overlook faults and failures, knowing that we too are not yet perfected, amen? Amen? Is anyone perfect out there? I really wanna meet you if you're there. (laughs) Part of the body putting up with weaker members is learning patience and unconditional love. We don't amputate because we think it'd be better off without them unless, as I said before, um, there's that diseased condition that that hurts the rest of the body. There's something even more excellent than these gifts. A more excellent way, another translation is a more Incomparable way. That is the next chapter that will start next week. If the gifts are not exercised in love, putting others first, building them up, seeking the mutual good of all, then something's wrong. The first fruit of the spirit is love. So the gifts should be exercised in the fruit of that spirit. If they're not, it indicates an imitation of the gifts by the carnal nature of someone caught up in pride. Paul's point is that there are are to be no divisions or hierarchy. We're all one. And as one body, we're to present to the world a picture of unity out of diversity, with all parts working together for the good of all in love. Now, that's so unique and unlike the world, that it's gonna draw others to consider that God is at work in our midst. So what is your gift? How do you contribute to the whole body? Finding and exercising your gift is not a chore, it's a privilege, and it's a joy. And when you find it, you start to realize it's not insignificant. It's an essential part of, this, of each church body. And then you start to appreciate that God is using you. We're gonna close with a song and, and a benediction. Would you stand with us as we sing this closing song?